Good morning and welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. We're walking through Jonah. This is our second week. And last uh, Sunday, we taught you a new song, a song that was written out of the body here at Fellowship titled, Remind Us. And we just wanted to remind you that you can take that song with you throughout the week because it's available wherever you stream music. Um, But we ask that it would just be your prayer throughout this time as we walk through Jonah, that it would remind you of the love of our God, his grace and his mercy on us. And we're gonna sing it again later in the service, but I'm gonna take a moment just to teach you the chorus once again. It goes like this. Oh Lord, your grace falls over our failures. You search and know the depths of our souls. Our hearts are formed more like you Jesus, as your love is over us. All right, can you sing that much with me? Here we go. Oh, Lord, your grace flows over our failures. You search and know the depths of our souls. Our hearts are formed more like you. All right, would you check out this announcement video? Hey, Fellowship Rogers, on February 27th, we will experience some change at our church. Not only are we launching our new Bentonville campus, but we will be moving to two service times at Fellowship Rogers. Our first service will be at 9 a.m. and the other at 10.30 a.m. This will bring us into alignment with Fayetteville and Bentonville campuses as all three will meet simultaneously at the 9 and 10.30 hours. We want to thank our 8 o'clock attenders for making room for many years for our church to grow and welcome new guests. And now these new service times bring us an opportunity to serve like never before. With our Bentonville volunteers moving north, it's time for Fellowship Rogers to step up and meet the needs in our worship ministry, hospitality ministry, and children's ministry. Fellowship Rogers, mark the date, February 27th, 9 a.m. and 10.30. We'll see you there. Change. Don't you love change? I told the last service, look, you get to sleep a little later. Well, you got to get up a little earlier. But that's okay. You know, for over 25 years, we've been doing three services. Then we went to four. Then when we moved in this room, we went back to three. And uh, it is time for us. Who knows? We probably will be back to three at some point. But here for a period of time, a lot of folks going to Fellowship Bentonville, and we're really excited especially our worship team and volunteers to be able to go to two services for a while. So how many of you are excited about the change now? All right, good. (laughs) Keep that in mind. February the 27th, mark that date in your mind, all right? Well, it's great to see all of you today. Let's get our minds focused in the right place, all right? Repeat after me. Oh, the depth of the riches. Okay, let's do a little bit more enthusiastic than that. It is the Word of God. Oh, the depth of the riches. The wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments. His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Yes, that's what we're here to focus on today is God working in and through us. And so I have a few announcements for you this morning. Um, We want to announce that Reengage is launching today at 4.30 over in the Family Center. So keep that in mind. 
great opportunity for you and uh, your family. The Counseling and Care Center, we went from seeing about 75 uh, patients to over 175 during COVID. Our Counseling and Care Center is doing a fantastic job. They also have groups. Grief share. If you've lost a loved one and you need to process that with other people, this is an incredible ministry. They're going to kick off on February the 8th. And then Divorce Care launches this week. So you have the QR code there on the screen. You can go to our website, our app, for more information. But uh, we would love for you to be a part of those. And then in the training center, Panorama 6 will kick off next week with Dr. Robert Cup, And we would love for you to take advantage of that and be a part of of the Panorama series. He's done a great job with that. He's almost finished all those six-week series, breaking down, of course, the big 12-week series. And so we appreciate Robert and all of his work. Uh, We have a special guest this morning who has gone to great lengths to get here because yesterday he was in Florida. He was at a conference there. He wasn't on the beach. Uh, but it was at a conference and uh, meeting together. His flight was canceled. Can you believe that? That they actually cancel flights? His flight was canceled because when the plane landed, a wheel uh, blew out and uh, flew up and hit the wing and messed it up. And so they didn't want to fly that plane. And uh, he canceled his flight. And he texted me about noon and said, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'll let you know. He wound up driving to uh, about two hours to Miami. He got a rental car, drove to Miami, jumped on a flight, and got in here last night about 10.30. So he's gone to great lengths to be here this morning. I told him, I said, we've got it covered. We can get someone else to teach. Nope, wasn't going to happen. He was going to get here. Got in bed about midnight, and I picked him up at 7 this morning. So uh, Dr. Mark Yarborough from Dallas Theological Seminary, he was here a couple of months ago, uh, a great friend. Uh, He has a book that is available in the foyer today, Jonah, Beyond the Tale of a Whale. I hope there are a few of them left after the first service, but uh, you want to pick up that book. I read it this summer uh, as I was on vacation, and it's, it's a great deep dive, no pun intended, into the book of Jonah. And so I encourage you to get that, and if we're out of them, you can always... Uh, go online to your bookstore and, and pick those up. Uh, Mark has also written another book, How to Read the Bible Like a Seminary Professor. And uh, he is also an accomplished singer and recording artist. He's an elder at his church. We've sung together in different places around the world. We've thrown it down. We ought to do it right now. But they told me I was overtime last service, so I better move on. Uh, but we'll do that sometime when you're here, all right? Uh, he's the sixth president of Dallas Theological Seminary, and I want to get all this right. Uh, He's a professor of Bible exposition, great teacher. He received his undergraduate from Dallas Christian College and his THM and PhD from Dallas Theological Seminary and continued to serve there in a variety of positions. He was uh, the director of information technology, associate dean for external education, vice president for communications, an academic dean, and vice president of academic affairs. In other words, they kept moving him around until they found something that he could do. Uh, President. Now he's the president. So uh, followed Mark Bailey there, and he started two years ago when COVID began. So what what a great time to start out as president. Uh, Written several books, and I said he's a musician. He's uh, an elder at his church. He loves the Cowboys. A few Cowboy fans here in the Mavericks. Okay, Rangers. And I think they have a hockey team down there too. I don't, I don't know what they skate on but in Dallas. But, uh, but the joy of his life is his family. And I've had the pleasure of knowing he and Jennifer uh, for over 20 years, I think. Uh, I was in Dr. Mark Bailey's office a long time ago, and he said, Hey, there's this guy I want you to meet. His name is Mark Yarbrough. And we have been dear friends since then, traveled the world together, and it is a privilege to have him here with us today. Would you join me in welcoming Dr. Mark Yarborough? I heard him last service, and you have much to look forward to. Can we pray to that end? Oh, God, there's so much going on outside these walls that we need to just set aside for a little while. To just come into this place and take a deep breath and remember that you are God, that you are sovereign, 
and nothing ever takes you by surprise. Oh God and Father, we ask that you would open our hearts, engage our minds, teach us. We're not perfect. We need help. In these services, as we come together, oh God, it's a course correction for us. It's a time for us to get back on the right page. And so we ask, Lord, in these moments that we'll make the most of it. That through the music, through the word, that you will lead us to your throne. Draw us near. Knowing that you will draw near to us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Would you stand with us? Oh, come, let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord, our maker. May we join with creation and sing, glorify the name of our Lord. May he be magnified in this place and in our lives. Let's lift our voices and sing together. Were creation suddenly articulate with the thousand tongues to lift one cry, then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be
that be our prayer this morning as we worship the Lord our God in spirit and in truth. We turn our eyes to Psalm 143. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Do you believe this morning that you can entrust your life to God? This morning as we sing these words that were inspired by the book of Jonah, may our prayer be that God would be in control of every facet of our life, that we would surrender all to Him in response to His mercy, His love, His unfailing grace toward us. Shall we go to escape the glory? No valley low, no mountain on high. When billows roll, we cry for your mercy. Will you remind us of your love? We see and how your grace flows over. Search and know the depths of our souls. Our hearts are formed more like you, Jesus, as your love is over us.
Take in these words from Psalm 145. May it lead your heart to worship as we fix our eyes on the one who is worthy of all honor, glory, and praise.
But Lord, we thank you for your greatness that you have revealed to us. Oh, the majesty and the riches of God. As we approach your word this morning, we approach it with humility and awe of who you are and what you have done. May you teach us to walk by your spirit. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are you today? When I got on a plane last night at about 8.45, we took off. It was like 88 degrees. You had a surprise for me this morning. So uh, it is always good to be here. I feel at home here in Northwest Arkansas with you all. So thanks for letting me come again. I greatly appreciate it. Okay, several years ago, um, I had a privilege. Some church invited me to come speak, and this is way back in the day. So I got on a plane on Friday afternoon, and so I was there for the weekend, right? And I came back on Sunday afternoon late. You with me? A little short time period there. How many of you remember flying before 9-11? Anybody in the room? Okay, you're my people. You understand this. Anybody remember how good that was? And what I mean by it is that you could fly... And when you'd get off the plane, you could like have people at the gate waiting. Anybody remember that? It's like so long ago. Some of us have forgotten. Yeah, that was, we could do that. It was like a Hallmark movie, you know, right there at every gate. Hugs and kisses and signs, you know, welcome home. Okay, so here's the deal. So this was before 9-11. So our oldest child was like three. Her name is Kayla. Let me show you a picture of Kayla. This was Kayla at three. Go ahead, go, ooh, oh, thank you very much. So she's a cute little girl, and this was before 9-11, so I had been gone for about 48 hours. You with me there? Okay, just a little bit of time, and so here's what happened. So Jennifer, my wife, is there with Kayla at the airport, and they're ready to pick me up, so they're at the gate, and somehow she did the little kid escape thing, right, out of mom's hand, and she just bolts so you know like the thing that connects the plane, right? The little ramp. So she like is weaving and bobbing as people are coming out. And all you could hear, I mean, I was way down in the back and I was hearing this little faint noise and here's what she was saying. I didn't know it was her yet, but I was hearing, I quote, I quote, I quote, daddy, I quote, where's my daddy? And then I heard things like, get out of the way. <laughs> you know, like, that's a little bad. So she's weaving and bobbing. Finally, I realized, and I was like, oh, that's my child. And so she slams into my leg. And of course, I did the thing that any good parent would do. I have no idea whose child this is. I've never seen him before in my life. And I'm just kidding. I owned it, picked her up, and she's like at the top of her lungs. I quote, I quote, daddy, I quote. Well, here's the problem. Okay. I knew what she wanted to do. She wanted to take me home to, to see this. And you all have seen these things. You probably had them. Anybody have those in your family? A growth board? Okay, so here was the problem. I left on Friday, yeah, Friday afternoon, and we had measured her. And this is now Sunday, 48 hours later. And so she's like, Daddy, I quote. And so I'm all the way home. She would not stop talking. And so we're going to get inside. So now it's like, you know, it's almost, it's in the evening. We made it back from the airport. And she drags me in. She stands at, you know, attention at her board, you know, I had measured her. There was a line with a date, you know, 48 hours before. So she's standing there, and, and, and I was like, okay. So I did what any of the rest of you do. Don't tell me you wouldn't have done this. I said, Lord, forgive me for this sin I'm about to commit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She had to have grown some degree, right? So I, I put the board on it and just shimmied it up just a little bit, drew another line, and she steps back, and she looks out. I knew it, Daddy, I quote. And I was like, oh, yes, maybe we can stop the OCD now. You know, I mean, it's like she was into this growth thing. So that night, that night, I was um, reading a book to her, and I could tell she wasn't paying attention. You ever do that with little kids? You know, you know they're not there. Okay, so I'm reading this book to her, and she's not there. And finally, like halfway through the book, she stops me. This is that night after we got back. She says, Daddy, I have a question. Why do big people stop growing? You act like this is not a big deal. What are you going to do? 
what are you going to say? I mean, so I, you know, I'd had a couple of science classes, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, entropy and laws of thermodynamics and stuff like that. I didn't go that route. I mean, I went, that's just the way it is, right? And we stop growing this way, and then we grow this way, right? And she's like, hmm, okay. Kissed her on the head. We said a prayer, put her in bed, and uh, that dynamic with her was over. But the Holy Spirit was working on me. I'm laying in bed that night after she was in bed, and that's when it really confronted me. Why do big people stop growing spiritually? That's a whole different topic, isn't it, friends? See, I think you and I really know that we already know the answer to that question. Why do big people stop growing spiritually? We stop growing spiritually when we stop pursuing the heart of God. We stop growing spiritually when we stop pursuing the heart of God. And, you know, it's interesting. This guy by the name of Jonah, <laughs> he was not pursuing the heart of God. Last week, you started a series here, and uh, when, when Sam opened up the, the pages of Scripture and, and, and allowed us to step into this book of Jonah, it's a fabulous book. It is jam-packed. It is four chapters it is a literary masterpiece. Now, when, when Sam led you so eloquently to understand and see what chapter one is about, because that's really what you walked through last week, and those of you that were not present or those of, that are uh, online maybe didn't see that, uh, here's just a, a, a real brief synopsis of Jonah chapter one. It starts off with the call of God to this man by the name of Jonah, right? And it was a prophetic call of, Jonah, I've got something that I want you to do. But in, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we find out the most shocking thing. The prophet of God receives the word of God, but the prophet of God does what? He goes, uh-uh, keep in touch. And to the Almighty, the prophet says, you know, speak to the hand. Yeah, that's dangerous. And he gets on this boat and he tries to escape. In those first three verses, we find out that Jonah is not pursuing the heart of God. In fact, he's running from the heart of God. In verses four through nine, in that next little chunk of, of, of the story, we find out that, that some things happen. God, much to our surprise, does not give up on Jonah. He sends a big giant storm. And the text is very clear in verse four. Uh, L-O-R-D, all caps. Remember when you see that in your Bibles, it is the proper name for the God of Israel, Yahweh. We've heard that word before. And it is the God of Israel that is not done with his prophet. In spite of the prophet's rebellion, he sends this storm to get the attention. And a whole bunch of things occur in this. Jonah goes down and goes to sleep and the captain of the ship comes and wakes him up because they're all about to die and, and they say, who are you? Eventually, they roll these lots and it points to Jonah. And in chapter one, verse nine, the prophet of God says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the God who made the sea and the dry land. And you don't have to be a world scholar to figure out if you're a pagan sailor over here and you're like, so the God that you say you worship and follow you're running from on the sea that he made? Jonah's not pursuing the heart of God. In chapters 10 through, uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 16, we find out that a whole bunch of other things occur, and Jonah eventually says, yeah, if you want this to stop, throw me overboard. And verse 13 says, the opening word says, instead, they tried to save him, but eventually they could not because who was in charge of the sea? Who was it? L-O-R-D, all caps, right? And so it says they throw him overboard, and it's this amazing presentation that we see in the summary of chapter one. I wanna pick up where Sam left off last week. And in particular, I wanna look at chapter one, verse 17, all the way through chapter two. Okay, so that's our goal today. Chapter one, verse 17, all the way through chapter two. And there is a shocking statement that you looked at last week in chapter one, verse 17, that says this. It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days 
and three nights. Uh, this is an amazing thing to me because when we get into this particular part of the story, I want us to realize that I think that the author, the writer of the text, he's really wanting us to do some gut checking ourselves. And in particular, when I talked about Kayla and that growth board, I want us to see three growth indicators today. That if you stand at your own attention at the board, that we're going to see these moments in the text where we're supposed to ask ourselves, are we growing spiritually? And are we looking at our life and comparing it even to the inappropriate actions of Jonah? And are we growing spiritually? And interestingly enough, We see one right here at the very beginning in chapter 1, verse 17. It's fascinating to me because here we get this great miracle of miracles. When I read chapter 1, I'm just letting you know that, you know, had I been the pagan sailors, the minute that Jonah said, hey, throw me overboard and the sea's going to calm down for you, you know what Mark Yarbrough would have done? I would have said, like, bon voyage, man. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Whee! Overboard. I mean... Had I been God, well, that's a scary thought for any of us, right? (laughs) Had I been God, I would have said, get out of here, you rebellious prophet. But you know what God does? God sends this large fish. You talked about that last week. You even saw a a contemporary moment of an individual that had, had some significant trauma in his life of being swallowed by a large fish. Friends, we don't have a hard time believing this if we believe that God spoke the word and brought all things into existence. This is a miracle of miracles, and we can certainly believe that God could design and orchestrate and plant a fish so big that he could hold and incarcerate and transport and deliver God's prophet as God so chose. Remember, I told you there's three growth indicators. I think the first one is right here. I want to phrase it this way. Growth indicator number one, a life that is growing spiritually acknowledges and responds to the grace of God. A life that is growing spiritually acknowledges, I'm using two words here, acknowledges and responds to the grace of God. If you are like me, Your spiritual life and your spiritual walk at times, it it really escalates in moments of crisis. You ever notice that? You ever notice how much sometimes your walk of faith grows when you're in the ditch? It's one of those painful things about the Christian life and the Christian walk. You know it to be true that pain, problems, are frequently a great tutor used by God to jar our attention and draw draw us back to him. Jonah is an interesting individual, and we're going to see that from beginning to end. And, oh, I I wish I could be with you the next several weeks to watch as, as you make this journey through the book together. It's a powerful book. But right here at the very beginning, it's this growth indicator that, that stumps me because of the fact that you and I know that so many times in our lives where we have crises, we have a moment, and we cry out to God, we say, Lord, Please deliver me from this. Maybe it's a health issue. We've all had those moments when you're going to the doctor and you don't know what the report result is going to be. And then, oh, amazingly, thankfully, it turns out to be something that we no longer have to worry about. And we leave that doctor's office and we get in our car and we drive home and and give us about a day or two and we just forget about it. Maybe it's an issue of of a job-related issue or an issue with our children. Lord, please deliver them. Please work in their heart. And then God actually does that. And then a couple days later, the world keeps spinning and we forget that God moved miraculously in our lives. Friends, I want to give us a word of encouragement here this morning. Write those things down. Let's not forget the grace of God in our lives because where there is grace given, listen to me, where there is grace given, there must be gratitude expressed. This growth indicator should move us to remember that even in our lives, God is at work. And may we never forget those moments. Well, let's listen to this because I'm going to make an argument for us that, that Jonah actually acknowledged the grace of God 
But friends, I don't think he ever really responds to the grace of God. Listen to what happens here in the text. Get back at it in chapter two. Here's in essence what it says. After he's swallowed by the giant fish, it says he's inside the fish three days and three nights. Chapter two, verse one says this. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said. So he is inside the fish and he now prays. Okay, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to not read your Bible. And it sounds really weird for me, especially as a seminary president. Don't read your Bible. (laughs) I want you to listen to the word of God. Okay, so don't look at it on your phone or your iPad or in the written form. Okay, I want you to just listen to Jonah's prayer. He is inside the fish. He thought he was going to die and he is alive and this is his prayer. Just listen to it. Here's what he says. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents, they swirled about me. All your waves and your breakers, they swept over me. I said, I have been banished. From your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters, they threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath, it barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, you brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols, they turn away from God's love for them. But I, with a shout of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Seriously. I mean, think of the moment. There he is. He's in the fish. Uh, it is a beautiful, it's very, I mean, did you hear the language of seaweed wrapped around my neck and I'm going down and then you brought me up from the pit? If you've ever had a water moment, like a bad experience, I've had a couple of those where I thought this is it. And, uh, and, and I mean, He's describing his deliverance. There's no doubt about that. He is acknowledging the grace of God. But here's something very interesting. To the Hebrew ear, when they heard this, okay, there is no doubt in my mind they heard it as a psalm of thanksgiving because that's exactly what it is. This thing, chapter 2, the prayer is packaged in a very particular way. Now, if I was to teach a class on the Psalms, you would find out that there are many Psalms that are classified as a Psalm of Thanksgiving, and they are structured in a particular order. As a matter of fact, they all start off with an introduction followed by a statement of the past distress Then there is an account of the Lord answering the call for help. And then there is an acknowledgement of God's gracious act, what God did. Now, the fascinating thing is that Jonah chapter 2, in particular, the prayer proper, verses 2 through 9, it follows it to the T. I can plug in all of the verses into these particular categories so that we see Jonah chapter 2 follows that model of a psalm of thanksgiving. In every Hebrew ear, when they heard this, they knew exactly what it was. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. And apparently, inside the fish, that's exactly what Jonah did. He wrote a psalm of thanksgiving. But here's the secret. I didn't learn this one in children's church. (laughs) None of these words are Jonah's. None. Zip. As a matter of fact, I can show you exactly, verse by verse, where Jonah is quoting the Psalms. 
So in other words, there he is. He's inside the belly of the large fish, and he's acknowledging God's graciousness to him. He's not dead. And he goes to his, what I call the Hebrew hymn book, which is the Psalms. And he may have even sung these, because all of the Psalms were melodical. They're all sung. And Jonah cherry picks. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I was to take us from chapter 2, verse 2 in Jonah and show us the very first one, we would find out that it comes directly from Psalm 118. In Psalm 120, verse 1. In fact, Psalm 20, verse 1, it's verbatim, the opening line. In my distress, I called out to the Lord, and you answered me. It's amazing. I mean, he is pulling from the Psalms. And I could go through all the rest of these. And if we had more time together, I would show you how every verse responds and directly connects to the psalm. It's either a direct phrase or it is a summary of that particular statement of a psalm. So here's what I can tell you. I want to give Jonah some credit because Jonah knew the word. He had it memorized inside the fish in that moment of despair. He was rejoicing that he had been saved and he took that Hebrew hymn book and he stitched together a particular song. Now, this leads us, listen to me on this, to growth indicator number two. A life that is growing spiritually knows and applies the word of God. A life that is growing spiritually knows and applies the word of God. Now, this may very well be the only moment in the book of Jonah where I really think that Jonah himself can be applauded. Because Jonah, to his credit, he knows the word of God. He has memorized it. But the challenge for it is that there is a difference, listen friends, between knowing the word of God and applying the word of God. And when I walk through Jonah chapter two, wow, the author does something amazing. The author actually sucks us in. Because I want to compare, look at this, growth indicator number two of knowing and applying the word. I want us to remind ourselves of what we saw with growth indicator number one. Remember what it is again? A life that is growing spiritually acknowledges and what? Say it. Responds to the grace of God. Growth indicator number two. The author is moving us to say that there's a difference between knowing and what's the word? Applies, applying. Friends, the author has sucked us in because when you hear Jonah chapter two at first response, you think, good for Jonah. He finally got it. He describes his scenario. But friends, something is tragically wrong here. Would you please forgive me for the worst pun ever? There's something incredibly fishy going on here. Okay, go ahead and just get it out of your system. Say, oh, Mark, that's horrible. You should be fined for that. Here in Jonah chapter two, it sounds so good. He acknowledges the grace of God, but he doesn't respond to it. He knows the word. He can quote the Psalms, but he doesn't apply it. As a matter of fact, if I had time to spend with you, we would go back and look at the end of his prayer. He makes these flashy statements to the Lord. And he says that... Uh, you know, he's going to make vows and he's going to make sacrifices. And guess what, friends? Nowhere in the text does he ever do that. It's, it's frequently called in, in literature, in biblical literature, it's the purposeful omission where a character says something and you're waiting for it. You're looking for it in the rest of the narrative and it's never there. The author does it on purpose because Jonah can say it, but he doesn't live it the old phrase of he can, he can talk it, but he doesn't, what, walk it. And, and we're now stuck in this conundrum here of, 
what, what's going on? Well, here's why. After that prayer, I want you to think about this. Notice the very next verse that we have in Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. In response, here's what God says. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Okay, when I first jumped in to studying several years ago in, in depth, the book of Jonah, I kid you not, I wasted a day of my life and I started doing a word study on the word vomit. <laughs> Isn't that something? I mean, my daughter's like all the time, Dad, you are such a word nerd. And I was like, yeah, but it's the word vomit. And I gotta know what it means. So I jumped into the text and I did a full-blown one day of my life, I'll never get it back again. I studied the word vomit. And I wanted to see the meaning of the word vomit in like Semitic languages, other languages that surround Hebrew at the time. I wanted to have a full-fledged meaning of what the word vomit means. And this was actually fascinating because I found out that the word vomit exists in every Semitic language. And as a matter of fact, we have over uh, different, uh, we have about 40 different languages at Dallas Seminary that are spoken. And, and um, I ask every one of our students, is there a word in your language for vomit? And did you know that in every language there's a word for vomit? It's, that's free. I, it has nothing to do with, that's just free for you to ponder that. You know, there's a word for vomit. And, um, and so I study this word in Hebrew and listen to what it means. Ready? Here's what it means. It means vomit. Okay? It means to spit out, to, to throw up. It's a disgusting word, and every human being on the face of the planet knows the definition of that one. But listen to this. It falls in line. Of all the way God has delivered people in the past, Enoch walked with God and then he was no more. <laughs> the chariot came down and swooped up the prophet. I mean, the, the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, the, the fourth individual shows up and they're preserved. But here, Jonah is in the belly of the fish and he makes this prayer and God says to the fish, puke him up. Here's why. In the Hebrew ear, friends, when they heard this word, it has one connotation. It is used specifically in Leviticus chapter 18. In Leviticus chapter 18, just listen briefly, don't turn there, but listen to what it is. It is a word describing unfaithfulness. And in particular, listen to what it says. I'm starting in chapter 18, verse 24. It says, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the, Lord, the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin. Listen to this. And the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you, he's talking to the nation of Israel, right? But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations before you. This word is exclusively used in the Old Testament talking about what will happen if the heart of God's people is just not faithful. God says, I'll vomit you out. You see, it's play on word here and it shows up even more. Uh, he says, I'm gonna, God caused the fish to vomit him out onto the dry land. What if I told you that word dry land is the exact same phrase when Jonah made that profession of faith in chapter one, verse nine. I'm a Hebrew and I worship the God who made the sea and the, the dry land. You see, here's what I think's going on, friend. This, I firmly believe, is a commentary. It is a commentary by God on Jonah's Prayer. I think it's an editorial comment, my God, concerning Jonah's confession, his promises and vows, and the sincerity of the prayer. Friends, do not miss this in the middle of the story. The prayer sounds so good. Jonah is thankful that God saved him. Check. Jonah knows the word. Check. 
But there is one thing that is missing in the prayer. Don't miss it. The thing that is missing is repentance. Jonah never repents of his sin. James Watts nails it when he says this. The prayer ignores the essential issue between the prophet and God, and that is Jonah's refusal of a prophetic commission. See, friends, growth indicator number three is a tough pill to swallow. A life that is growing spiritually confesses sin, not pious words of religiosity. A life that is growing spiritually confesses sin, not pious words of religiosity. You see, friends, that prayer sounds really good. But we find out that there is a difference between acknowledging the grace of God and responding to it. That prayer sounds really good because there is a difference between knowing the word and being able to say it. And it's a whole other thing to what? Apply it. And there is a huge difference between saying, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. You know it. And saying, in the spirit of Isaiah, woe is me. I'm unclean. See, friends, I leave us with three questions here. And these questions come, I think, right out of the text. Number one is, are we acknowledging and responding to the grace of God in our lives? I said that at the beginning. Uh, I want to encourage you to record, to write down how God works and moves and acts in your life. We all have those moments, and you and I know exactly what happens. God does something amazing, and we're happy for the moment, and then the world keeps spinning, doesn't it? And you forget that. My wife is so good at that, and I am not. And I'm so thankful. She records on a regular basis the goodness of God. The grace that has been poured out. First and foremost, if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, wow, let's just start there on a regular basis. But the other ways where God moves and he acts. Lord, forgive us when we fail to, to remember those. Because remember where there is grace, it must lead to gratitude. It must. You know, when I thought about the fact that Jonah, he could quote the Psalms, and I'm happy there. But uh, he didn't apply it in his life. He could just say it. It was a game that he played. I had one of my mentors of the faith uh, by the name of Howard Hendricks. Poured an awful lot into my life. And he said, Mark Yarbrough, don't you ever forget. To know and not to do is to not know at all. I don't know what's going on in your life, what's going on in your walk, but uh, let's not do that with the Lord. Let's take cues uh, from the book of Jonah and let's be able to say it, but let's apply it. And then last but certainly not least, I don't know when the last time is that you went before the holy living God and confessed your sins. It's not for salvation, praise the Lord, that's been dealt with once and for all, right? But to purge our souls and say, Lord, you know how desperately I need you. Stand at your own growth board. Remember when I showed us that picture? You've got your spiritually. I challenge us. Stand there and ask, Lord, what do I need to grow at? He'll help us to do it if we chase after his heart. Lord, we need your help. We admit at times in our lives we're moving way too fast. We forget, we don't apply, and at times we don't confess. Help us to learn from this story of Jonah. To not be like him, but to see who we are called to be. You long for your children to grow. And Lord, we want to be able to do that and just to holler out to you, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing.
we know that would put a smile on your face. Help us to do that, even today, even this week, whatever comes our way. Not for our sake, but for the world that needs to see your grace in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's make this our prayer this morning. As we seek the face of God, we seek.
may that be the cry of our heart. That as we sing that we have called and you have answered us, would that reality lead us to a yearning and a longing to be in your presence where there is fullness of joy. That as Psalm 16 continues to say that you have laid before us the path of life. And so may we walk by your spirit, trusting and obeying everything that you have commanded to us. Thank you for your word this morning and the challenge set before us to walk by faith. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning, Fellowship. If you'd like prayer, we have the Nervigs in the prayer room. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Would you go in peace this week?